thank you, IPO and Jill, for uh, leading us and moderating today. And uh, thank you, everyone, for, for coming and listening. And we will do our best to answer any and all questions as honestly uh, and openly as possible. Awesome. Well, let's get right into it then. I understand that there are likely people here that have been part of the journey in the beginning, and there are probably people here that have just joined. So in order to just level the playing field a little bit, Publius, why don't you talk a little bit about what Bean is, what the vision for Bean is, and where we are right now? So Bean is a decentralized stablecoin that is uh, not backed by collateral, uh, but instead is backed by the credit of the Beanstalk protocol, which issues the Bean token. So uh, instead of using uh, any existing collateral, whether that's on-chain uh, collateral or off-chain collateral, uh, Beanstalk uh, takes a radical departure from the collateralized model. Um, and there are a lot of benefits that come with ditching the collateral, which we can get into. Um, but the fundamental aspect of Beanstalk is that it is not issued by a centralized provider. Um, and there is no collateral held anywhere to back beans. And instead, it is uh, dependent on the credit of the Beanstalk protocol. So the ability for Beanstalk to attract credit is the main driver of stability and therefore the main driver of utility. So you asked where we are um, now, and the, the punchline is that we are currently uh, having walked through, or uh, walk isn't the best uh, word, but we've, as a protocol, Beanstalk has traversed through uh, some forests over the past month and a half, um, but it's come out uh, attracting a large amount of lenders and a large amount of loans. And the ability for Beanstalk to attract loans over the past six months, um, or six weeks, excuse me, has um, been the main driver of the return to one and the ability for Beanstalk to oscillate the price of one bean over $1 over the past couple of weeks. So uh, to give a little bit of a high-level overview of what's been going on, especially if you look at, uh, for example, the all-time price charts uh, in the middle of September, uh, there was a major uh, period of short-term period of growth in Beanstalk quickly followed by the beginning of the first major debt cycle, which as we just said, uh, thus far Beanstalk has been able to uh, work its way through the debt cycle by consistently being able to attract lenders and attract loans. So uh, for completion, what actually happened over the past two months or so is, and we still don't understand exactly how it happened, but it seems that Beanstalk went viral on crypto Twitter uh, about six weeks ago, and at the time was trading at a dollar uh, with a $2.5 million supply or so, 
um, so a two and a half million dollar market cap. And uh, there was such a large volume of capital that came into Beanstalk over a very short period of time, uh, six to $8 million or so of Ethereum in just a matter of uh, hours, such that the price was pushed as high as $4, the market cap was pushed as high as $40 million. Um, and this capital, which came in in a very short period of time, uh, very quickly left Beanstalk. And one of the members of our Discord said it best, uh, and we've been using this line a lot because of how uh, apropos it is. Uh, they said that when the apes who pumped it realized that they could not exploit Beanstalk for their own immediate personal gain, they immediately left. So on the one hand, that is very encouraging and very exciting to us that a lot of the incentive structures and the rules that create the incentive structures within Beanstalk um, worked sufficiently well such that the pump uh, didn't continue uh, indefinitely or, or, and thus far it appears, didn't continue to a size that was unsustainable. Um, so the post-mortem, not sure if it's a post-mortem since Beanstalk is alive and well, um, but the post-mortem of the pump and dump is that uh, after all of the capital left and they came in and left over the course of around a week, uh, the price was as low as 24 cents. And since that low, uh, Beanstalk has been able to return the price of one bean to $1 by raising the weather relatively consistently to continue to attract new loans and new lenders. So the uh, when we kind of look at how Beanstalk has performed over the past month, uh, the main thing to look at is given the order of magnitude of capital that flowed out of Beanstalk, um, flowed in and out of, um, when you consider that the market cap was as high as $40 million, but the maximum supply to date was only $25 million, we look at that and say, uh, Beanstalk is resistant uh, to the type of inorganic demand that created a unreasonably large growth in something like ESD or DSD or a basis cash that ultimately made it such that none of those protocols had a chance to survive in the long run because they would grow too fast um, on the upswing. Uh, we looked at what's happened over the past month with Beanstalk being able to cut off that major growth cycle. And then once the growth cycle was cut off, and all of the, that capital left, or a large percentage of that capital left, Beanstalk has now been able to attract enough credit such that the price has started to oscillate back over one over the past uh, almost two weeks now. So that's uh, a little bit of a high-level synopsis on, uh, high-level summary, we should say, on what's been going on um, and how we got here. And just to wrap it up, uh, in terms of our attention, and our focus, and our mind share on like what, how we spend our time and our focus and our energy, uh, whereas uh, during the, the the major debt cycle, which to some extent we're not entirely out of, which we can talk about uh, how to gauge where we are in the cycle 
uh, in this conversation. But regardless, the our mind share has largely shifted to uh, looking ahead and starting to think about uh, how Beanstalk goes from where it is today, which is starting to establish itself um, as a protocol that can regularly return the price of one bean to one dollar uh, into uh, the protocol that supports the ubiquitous stablecoin of all of DeFi. So this is a very exciting time for us. Um, those are obviously very exciting thought exercises for us to get to perform. Um, and we're very, uh, we're very excited about what is to come and the work that needs to get done on Beanstalk. Um, but generally what has happened over the past six weeks has been very encouraging to us and has us uh, incredibly excited to build a strong community uh, around Beanstalk that will uh, continue to build the everything around it that uh, will fall into place as, as Beans start to become adopted as the stablecoin of DeFi. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. That's super, super descriptive. Even just looking at the bean price chart and thinking through all the, you know, all the timeline that you talked through, it's, it's, you know, the story is very, very clear. And even now looking at that stabilization, the points you were making about how the protocol really has kind of stood the, the, the short test of time, a uh, short, but turbulent test of time. Very, very clear. One thing, you know, we have a couple more people in the room. So if you just joined, thank you so much for joining. This will be recorded, so in the event that you do have to leave, you can come back and listen later. We're going to run about two hours, and towards the end, you know, to Publius's point about community engagement and involvement, for those who do want to stick around and essentially raise your hand or learn, you know, what more you can do, uh, we'll have some time to do that as well. Publius, I think it would be a good idea now, especially because, you know, we have some more people in the room. Do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, who who is Publius? Is this the Illuminati? Um, you know, what is the team behind this project and what would you like folks to know about the team? Yeah, so uh, explicitly, uh, we are everyday peoples like yourselves and uh, we are uh, we're a group of friends, first and foremost, that are highly encouraged by the type of change that uh, cryptocurrency uh blockchain, uh, but more than that, a, a whole infrastructure developed on uh, public-private key cryptography uh, really presents to us uh, a vision for the future that is much more encouraging than you might otherwise see looking at the daily news. And so back in Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving of last year, uh, we were hanging out uh, catching up over the holidays and discussing, you know, the world. And it was the the usual chatter. You know, one of us doesn't like our job and uh, wants to do something more interesting. And we were just brainstorming if we wanted to work on something together, what would that look like? And at the time, ESD had been kind of blowing up and we took a look at it that that evening together we read the white paper uh, we worked through it and we had kind of two conclusions one was very clearly 
the market is indicating that there's a high level of demand for a decentralized, non-collateralized stablecoin. And that was very much in line with our general uh, understanding of where crypto is at as an industry where scaling is probably the biggest uh, hurdle. Um, but then very shortly thereafter is the need for a decentralized dollar uh, with economics under it that actually make using protocols like Augur uh, cost effective. And we can get into exactly how that works at some point. But the second conclusion we had was that we could do a lot better. And so originally, the idea was that we would take the ESD code and our economic model and make uh, minor, although substantive changes uh, to fix a lot of the tragedy of the commons issues that were evident in ESD um, and DSD and the like. Um, but ultimately, whether that's because uh, we have too much ego, uh, too much hubris, or we just take ourselves too seriously, uh, we ended up kind of throwing out the, the minor change idea and we decided to build Beanstalk totally from scratch. Um, so that that required, and they went hand in hand, but the requirement for a total uh, rewrite uh, of a protocol from scratch uh, was largely the result of a bunch of new uh, economic incentive designs we wanted to add on to Beanstalk. And it ended up going from what we thought would be a couple of months of side work um, to ultimately, you know, this is now all of our full-time jobs. And we ended up spending around nine, nine months or so before we pushed in, in the beginning of August to mainnet, uh, to make this thing uh, have the best possible chance to succeed that we could possibly give it. Um, so just, you know, from the start, there was no pre-mine, uh, no pre-sale, no early investor access. Uh, the first hundred beans were minted when the contract was deployed and 100 beans is what the sunrise function award starts at. So really in line with the rules of the protocol. And then since then, 100% of the new bean supply has been created according to the algorithm as it's defined in the smart contracts. So uh, you've been doing this uh, for almost a year now. Uh, we're approaching 11 months and uh, thus far, uh, it's been the journey of a lifetime, and we're incredibly grateful for the opportunity to continue to work on Beanstalk, and our hope is to inspire others to start to work on Beanstalk as well, such that in the not-too-distant future, Beanstalk is not solely reliant on Publius, um, but instead is supported by a decentralized community, and we're very encouraged uh, that we're starting to see the, the beginnings of that transition take place and it it uh gets us very excited that's great and and to that point you know we and we can get into this in a few minutes about competitors and other protocols but in general just as i'm sure other folks have this question how much unilateral control over the protocol or the platform does Publius have and then the reason i asked this question and you alluded to this a little bit earlier is saying you didn't take initial international investor groove. The beans are minted according to the contracts. Just in terms of 
what can change at a moment's notice? How much unilateral control does Publius have? Does it have any? Yeah, so uh, the deployment address, uh, which deployed the smart contract on Etherscan, you can search it. Uh, it comes up as Pinstock de contract deployer, I believe. Um, that wallet address uh, at this point in time still has the unilateral ability to modify Pinstock. And if we go back around a month or so ago, uh, there was a two separate instances where we pushed uh, minor changes to the smart contract directly uh, circumventing the, the bid process, uh, specifically because there were minor uh, errors in the code that were resulting in a small misallocations of beans um which in total the order of magnitude was around 5000 beans or less um and those are the types of things that at this stage of the game because beanstalk is uh, so new and has yet to be audited and we can talk about how the audit process is going um we felt in the at launch that it would be meaningful from a security perspective to have the ability to fix certain things like that at a moment's notice. And the way that the contract uh, and the, the governance process in Beanstalk is composed, at any point in time, uh, any member of the community could propose a BIP to remove this ability from the deployment address, to remove this ability from Publius, and nobody else does. At some point in the future, we intend to uh, make such a proposal um, but that would that would likely come at some point a little bit further into the future. Um, certainly, once Beanstalk has been audited, uh, after that, um, that conversation can start to be had uh, a little bit more seriously. Um, but in the short term, that is the only uh, control that exists on top of Beanstalk, and we're obviously committed to being as transparent about that as possible. Got it. Okay. So moving along, you had mentioned a few in the origin story of Beanstalk. You had mentioned you had looked at the space. Let's talk about the space a little bit. And some of these questions obviously come up in the AMA. When you think about your competitors, and competitors may not even be the right word, but when you look at the space for not just stablecoin, but generally these reserve type protocols, a couple of names come up like MIM or OM, there may be others. When you look at the space, maybe talk to the group a little bit about what does the space currently look like? And relative to some of these folks, you know, how does Bean look? Sure. So, per usual, uh, the general overview of the space is that it is moving a million miles an hour, uh, trial by fire, and all of that is very uh, conducive to the industry moving at a light and quick pace. Um, but there's a lot of also damage that is done when you move so quickly. Um, now, with regards to where we fit into the ecosystem or where Beanstalk fits into the overall ecosystem, um, there's two, two separate angles here. The first <laughs> is that there is certainly in the long run, hopefully, 
going to be non-US dollar currencies that are used throughout DeFi, used throughout uh, the general cryptocurrency slash blockchain world, um, where uh, there isn't necessarily a reliance on the US dollar. And something like OM uh, is an attempt at that. Um, something like Bitcoin or Ethereum could end up filling that general use case of some sort of unit of account that is sufficient uh, for the members of the ecosystem to use it as such. Um, but the transition uh, for the space to start to use an asset like that uh, is a long one. And so the second angle to come at this is, in the meantime, uh, there is a major demand for U.S. dollars on the blockchain. And we can also, if, if it would be helpful, talk about the transition from a U.S. dollar-centric DeFi system to a non-U.S. dollar DeFi-centric system and how that would affect Beanstalk at some point you know, in the distant future. Um, but at least in the short term, the, there is very clearly a strong market demand for U.S. dollars. And so MIM is an example of an innovation on top of the traditional uh, MakerDAO uh, CDP model, um, which is the epitome of things move really fast in this space. And the fact that MIM has started to be widely adopted uh, is more evidence that there remains a huge amount of demand for U.S. dollars on the blockchain, that is, uh, that demand is not being met. Um, and MIM is another source of supply of U.S. dollars that can meet some of that demand. And so it has started to be uh, more widely used and adopted. So we look at that and we say, well, there is very clearly still excess demand for U.S. dollars. And this is the fundamental problem that Beanstalk solves that none of the other uh, current implementations that are out there, like a MIM, actually do solve. And the specific issue, we can go back to the Augur example uh, I highlighted uh, a few minutes ago, which is, let's take a stupid simple example uh, of how the current shortage of dollars on the blockchain is causing a major uh, decrease in what is currently practical or cost efficient to use DeFi for. So in the case of something like Augur, which to us remains one of the coolest ideas uh, to date in cryptocurrency, like the ability to make a market in anything you want uh, is, is a pretty powerful idea. Um, and as someone who entered the crypto space uh, when Augur was being built and hyped up, you know, we ask ourselves, well, why isn't Augur being used uh, in any significant capacity? And in our estimation or our understanding, the main reason for this is that there is a major shortage of U.S. dollars on the blockchain. So currently, if you want to use Augur, you have to uh, either use Ethereum or use a, a dollar stable coin. And 
if you use, you may be able to use other currencies, but the problem with using any general currency is the same as applying uh, using Ethereum. I'm just not up to date on the latest currencies you can use on Augur. But if you use Ethereum, uh, at the very least, unless you're uh, comfortable going along Ethereum while you're making your markets, um, you have to hedge the Ethereum exposure. And more than that, which makes the market very difficult to make in Ethereum, if you are making a market on, let's just say the NFL football games this Sunday, um, if I am a customer and the market is denominated in Ethereum, I may not be interested in taking on Ethereum exposure in the meantime while I'm making my bet. And certainly, uh, when we think about how this uh, affects the general ability to attract or build a market uh, or, or multiple markets using Ethereum, it makes it such that the demand for those types of markets uh, is usually not enough to, to make it an effective market to make. Um, whereas, and the, the main problem being the volatility of the underlying asset that the bet is denominated in. Whereas, um, if you use a US dollar, uh, now you don't have the same volatility. Um, but this is where the economics come in and become a problem. Because uh, currently there is such a shortage of dollars on the blockchain, um, that has led there to be incredibly high uh, borrowing and lending rates for USD stable coins. And so if I, I am a holder of US, USDC or USDT or DAI, uh, and I am interested in making a market on Augur for the NFL games this weekend, I have a choice. I can either lend out my stable coin for 10 or 15% a year, or I can try to do better than that by making a market on Augur. And when you factor in all of the fees for borrowing uh, and the fees for transacting on Ethereum, now it isn't just that you have to make a market where, you know, if you're right 51% of the time uh, and wrong 49, or you're, you're, uh, you have even a marginal uh, profit in the markets that you're making, um, that no longer becomes cost effective to, to make that market specifically because uh, the borrowing costs are too high. And so the opportunity cost that is introduced by the shortage of supply of US dollars um, is what has largely led to many of the use cases for cryptocurrency and for decentralized finance not being cost effective from a purely economics perspective to make. And to restate it, the main driver of the shortage of supply is that the, the requirement to use collateral makes it such that you basically can't get enough dollars or a dollar's worth of capital locked up anywhere in order to meet the demand for US dollars on the blockchain. And so the way that Beanstalk goes about uh, radically transforming uh, DeFi and what makes sense within DeFi to use is it totally changes that relationship between supply and demand and therefore also changes the relationship between using US dollars on the blockchain. So whereas in the instance where there is a shortage 
And anytime that you're not actively making the market, you don't want to hold the U.S. dollars. Um, in something like Beanstalk, which uh, the state explicitly, if you hold beans at any point in time where you're not actively using those beans, you can deposit those beans in the silo and earn passive interest, you know, Monday to Saturday, and then on Sunday make your markets or however it may be. In the meantime, you're collecting passive interest um, instead of having to pay it for holding on to your U.S. dollars. And so when it comes to uh, the actual dynamic in just the auger market example, um, instead of having to pay to borrow the U.S. dollars to make the market, um, now with one initial investment to purchase the beans that you're going to use to make your markets, in between making the markets, uh, you can you can passively deposit your beans in the silo, earn interest on them, and then whenever you need them to make your markets, you can withdraw the beans again from the silo. And obviously, this becomes even more practical to do once the withdrawal time is brought down. Currently, it's a day, which makes their, which creates a little bit of friction to do that. But uh, over the next couple of months, uh, it, you know, there, our, our expectation is in the near future to propose a BIP that will lower the withdrawal freeze over the next couple months as Beanstalk continues to demonstrate stability. So that will further increase the utility of using beans. And these are that's just one example, but this plays out at a million different levels um, within the DeFi ecosystem of how currently the shortage of US dollars created by the collateral requirement uh, is the main inhibitor to DeFi really taking off. And everything that is even moderately cost-effective to do um, will start to be done. Um, and the main reason none of it is currently cost-effective is because of the shortage of supply of U.S. dollars on the blockchain. And Beanstalk is able to solve that because it doesn't have collateral requirements. Great. Thank you. Um, I mean, look, you, you talked a lot about, you know, not, not to boil down all that into two sentences here, but you talked a lot about the bullish factors is what I'm hearing, right? There's huge white space. We're talking about the market for U.S. dollars. There's also a shortage where, you know, we're able to provide something potentially a lower cost. Um, talk, talk a little bit about you know, the other side of the equation. So what are the biggest existential risks to the success of Bean? Boobies, are you there? Watching football? Guys in the room, we're just on standby a little bit. Publius, let us know if you're back. Sorry, my my uh my mic got got uh messed up somehow. Uh, oh no, no. Now? Yeah, yeah, can I, I can hear you. What was the um, question? Apologies. Yeah. No, 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 no worries. We so we just talked a little bit about, you know, you gave a great example about how all the bullish factors seem very clear, right? We're talking about the market for USD as a whole, which, you know, relative to bean market cap is obviously very, very high, a lot of white space. What is the other side of this equation look like? So when you think about the largest existential or even execution risks to the success of bean protocol moving forward, what would you say those factors are? Sure. So 
we we believe in leading with punchlines and being as open and honest as possible. So the punchline is, InStop is still in what we would consider like an infant stage. And when you're dealing with an infant, they need a lot of neck support and a lot of head support. So at this stage of the game, uh, Beanstalk is still uh, in need of a lot of support. Um, and if you, can, if you compare Beanstalk to the gold standard, which is Bitcoin, uh, which has been through the ringer, has a massive, uh, truly decentralized uh, community of participants and contributors that don't all agree with one another. Um, and obviously, Satoshi is not a, an active participant in, in Bitcoin. Uh, to get from here to there is a major, uh, and obviously that being the gold standard, if, if Beanstalk gets to that level of decentralization, that will be a major achievement. Um, getting there is totally within reach. It's just going to require a, a lot of effort and organization on the part of the community. So to answer explicitly, what are some of the areas that are currently the biggest vulnerabilities? Uh, number one is currently we are still in the middle of the first major debt cycle for Beanstalk. And on the one hand, the fact that it has been such a large debt cycle is incredibly uh, bullish in the long term for Beanstalk uh, if it can get to a place where it can go through another major debt cycle. So if you think about the way that Beanstalk is designed, um, it has three different debt levels. Um, currently, the excessively low debt, uh, optimal debt, uh, and excessively high debt are 5, 15, and 25%. Um, and so Beanstalk tries to keep its debt level around 15%, um, but during a debt cycle, the debt level will always go potentially much higher than that. And so when we try to analyze the overall health of Beanstalk and the current state of things, uh, the debt level is one of the best indications of where we are in the cycle. So the fact that the debt level is very high um, is an indication continuing to go higher um, is an indication that we're still in the debt cycle part of things. And if you want to be more explicit or more correct with your analysis, the real thing to look at is the available soil. Um, because the available soil, uh, which thus far has still been hanging out close to maximum soil rate, Will only start to come down in earnest um, when there is uh, a disproportionate amount of time spent above the peg um, versus below the peg. Um, and so currently, the fact that even though the price has started to oscillate around one, um, the soil has remained high, uh, that means that we are still in uh, the debt cycle. And until the soil has really been eaten through, um, almost entirely, we are still going to be in a debt cycle. So if at this point in time, the number one risk to Beanstalk is that if you know, $10 million of capital left Beanstalk again uh, over a couple of days, like what happened a month ago, um, it, it remains to be seen whether Beanstalk would be able to issue 
uh, enough debt and attract enough lenders to issue that debt uh, to bring Beanstalk back to one. And even if it could do it again, um, maybe it couldn't do it a third or a fourth or a fifth time. And at some point, you know, you do have you enter a death spiral. So this is one of the main reasons why Beanstalk uh, focuses on not just keeping the price at one dollar, but also focuses on returning the debt level um, less than fifteen percent, such that the next time there is a major debt cycle. Um, Beanstalk has already paid off a lot of its outstanding obligations, um, so it's in a great position to, to to go through a debt cycle. So until we, and if we, we lay out based on the current state of the system uh, and that definition of the debt cycle that we just laid out, there is going to be uh, a significant period of time between here and there, and there being when the debt level is back to around 15%. Um, so, number one uh, risk uh, from an economic perspective is that between here and there, which may be a couple months, um, there's another major crash in being stuck. Now, that may make you nervous, um, as it should, um, but based on the rules uh, and the incentive structures created around being stuck and what has transpired thus far, um, it seems to us uh, increasingly unlikely that that type of major outflow from Beanstalk at this point in time is possible. Um, it's, it is possible in the sense that it could happen, um, but it wouldn't make sense based on what we've seen so far. So what we mean by that is because Beans has been back at one for almost two weeks now, um, and we've seen uh, a slight uptick in withdrawals since Beanstalk has been back at one, indicating that there was some capital that wanted to leave once we returned the peg. Um, in general, the withdrawal data um, has been relatively consistently low um, since that initial uh, dump uh, after that first pump. And what that indicates to us is that two things. One, the stock and seed incentive structure is working uh, to, to a significant extent. Um, and two, the fact that the stock and seed incentive goes up linearly over time makes it such that anyone who didn't withdraw yesterday has less is less likely to withdraw today. So every day that Beanstalk hangs out and oscillates above and below one, and someone doesn't leave the system, that makes it more likely that they're going to hang out uh, for, the, for this growth cycle as we get out of the debt cycle. And so just looking at the data, um, we feel pretty confident and comfortable that uh, the vast majority of capital that was going to leave Beanstalk um, before we start to see real growth has left. Um, and in order to dump Beanstalk, if you're not already in Beanstalk, you need to buy beans. And bean stock is uh, designed such that anyone who wants to come into the system has a very hard time to do that in a way that is cost effective for them, unless they do want to hold beans, stock, and seeds for a longer period of time, uh, which is exactly the dynamic that we saw play out uh, about a month and a half ago. And you may then ask, well, why can't that happen again and someone just 
try to kill Beanstalk by burning a couple million dollars. Um, the main reason that is very unlikely to happen again uh, is because of the size of Beanstalk at this point in time relative to the size of the liquidity pool uh, and the debt level. So uh, one of the main reasons why uh, the growth and debt cycle was particularly large, uh, even in, you know, if you would say within the context of other uh, similar stable coins, it was much smaller um, than, than ESD or DSD, for example, but in our estimation, it was still larger than optimal, um, was for a few reasons. The first is that there was basically no outstanding debt or no pods um, the last time that this pump happened. And so all of the supply of beans that might have been sold into the pump were locked up in the silo. Um, currently, because there's so much unharvestable uh, pods, uh, if someone were to come in over a short period of time and try to pump the price, um, there would be a large amount of pods that could come harvestable and sell into that. Um, and so you're not going to have uh, nearly the type of price growth that you we saw six weeks ago uh, because of the outstanding debt. Um, and furthermore, because the liquidity as a percent of the total supply of beans is also much less than it was during the first pump, the rate of inflation will also be much lower, even in the instance where someone tries to um, attack Beanstalk by pumping it uh, too much. So from that perspective, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot to be said for the current state of Beanstalk is much, much, much more resilient um, than it was a few months ago, a few weeks ago. And that doesn't even include the fact that uh, currently it has demonstrated that it does have the ability uh, to bring beans back to one, um, which should be a major driver of, of future demand. So uh, sort of, creating utility uh, by creating stability is what will ultimately lead to adoption uh, and adoption is what will ultimately get Beanstalk out of the debt cycle. So one of the major uh, things to focus on from the community perspective over the next three to six months is getting Beanstalk um, incorporated into a variety of other protocols where there is utility for beans. Got it. And, you know, as we're moving more into the, the analytical elements of the protocol, let's focus a little bit more on some of these some of these very important details that talk about the protocol features. So we talked a little bit about the dollar, right? Obviously, the dollar peg is important for a stable coin. When we look at the history of the protocol over the last few weeks, there have been sustained periods where bean prices below a dollar. And then now recently, there have been some periods where for, for longer times, it's above a dollar. As we scale, so as this continues to grow, how can you or how do you think about how Bean moves around the peg? So is this as we go from, let's say, a 20 million market cap to 200 and then let's say 200 to 2 billion, is there a way that you can either project or how do you think about the price of Bean as it dances around a dollar? So... This is a question that requires a high level of speculation, and we're happy to speculate, uh, at least on this topic, uh, but take our answer with a grain of salt as 
market participants are ultimately going to be the deciders of how the how the market works on a minute-to-minute, second-by-second basis. And uh, you know, these types of predictions are incredibly difficult to make as the structure of markets are also often determined by um, a lot of factors that are not just purely uh, analytical. Um, nonetheless, the volatility around Beanstalk um, will probably decrease on an absolute basis, uh, meaning that the ticker price uh, just for example, if we compare it to what's happened over the past two weeks or so, they're more or less the price has stayed within the 0.95 to 1.05 range. Um, our expectation would be that as Beanstalk grows, uh, as more people uh, start to think of a bean as a dollar, um, that that range will start to uh, be further restricted. Um, so it's very hard to give a sense of order of magnitude. How quickly does the price of one bean stay 0.99 to 1.01? Um, impossible to say exactly. Um, but the general idea behind how this will work is that the more times that bean crosses the peg, um, the stronger the expectation that the price will cross the peg again at some point in the future. And that expectation creates an arbitrage opportunity for any time the price is above one, you have an expectation that at some point in the near future will be below one, it makes sense to sell above one and then vice versa to buy below one. And so as the price starts to, or continues to oscillate over one, um, that arbitrage opportunity gets created. So, Based on the current market data and how Beanstalk has been trading, it seems like this is still at the very beginning stages of happening. Obviously, with like two weeks of crossing the price over the peg, there isn't a strong expectation that that will happen again immediately or soon, but the expectation is increasing. So as that expectation increases, we would also expect the range of trading of Bean to get tighter and tighter. Now, it's important to note that the way that the bean supply is changed is a function of price, but it's also a function of the depth of liquidity of bean stock and the, specifically the bean ETH pool. And so another thing that we would expect uh, as beans becomes more adopted um, and as the return um, for providing liquidity becomes more apparent, um, we would expect the liquidity in the bean ETH pool to also start to increase significantly. And that has a complementary effect on the dampening of the price because the more liquidity there is, uh, the more volume uh, can be traded with having a less effect on the price. Um, and so between those two factors, higher liquidity and higher, uh, higher degree of arbitrage around a dollar, we would expect the range to tighten and tighten and tighten and tighten and tighten over time. Um, but it's very difficult to make a prediction as to the rate of tightening specifically. Got it. Okay. No, that makes sense. We would, we would imagine this would stabilize over time, but of course, you know, this is 
this is a market instrument. Um, we're coming up on the, the one hour mark. I'm looking at the audience and I'm seeing around 40 people. So it looks like we have some new entrants. If you're just joining, uh, thank you so much for joining this community event. It's been great so far. We talked about the protocol origination, the origination story, and now we're getting into more of the details around some of the instruments within the platform, like the PEG. This will be recorded. So for those of you who join late and want to catch the beginning of the conversation, you'll be able to listen to that. And, um, you know, around over the course of the next hour, we'll continue to go through questions. I'm obviously just asking questions on my mind, but also looking through the questions in the AMA questions thread. So if you do have questions and don't want to necessarily raise your hand here and say it out loud, feel free to dump those into the thread and I will pick those out. But moving along, since we, you know, we have about another hour before we may break out into some community conversations, let's talk a little bit more about, I guess, this idea that you mentioned before, Publius, that, you know, obviously in the silo, folks get both seed and they get stock. The seed obviously allows or incentivizes them to stick around and the stock determines, you know, how much of new bean supply they get um, during, you know, during new mints. Can you talk a little bit about the future of stocks and seeds? There's been some chatter in the chat about them being tradable in the future. What's the ultimate vision for stocks and seeds? Now, this is a question that puts a smile on our face. So stock and seeds becoming tradable is going to be a, a major step to taking beanstalk from what it is today to what it and become in the future. Um, so there's economic, uh, a lot of economics here that we can try to lay out uh, a large portion of, and uh, we're happy to explain as much as people want how we see it going. Um, but the long and the short of it is uh, our, our expectation. First, let me lay out the plan, and then I can break down how this works in an economic fashion. So the plan is to create stock bean and a seed bean uh, pool, Uniswap pool, um, and similar to how you can currently deposit uh, LP tokens for the bean ETH pool into the silo in exchange for stock and seeds, um, you will also be able to deposit LP tokens for the bean stock and bean seed pools into the silo in exchange for more stock and more seeds. Now, at first glance, you may say, doesn't that make it such that stock and seeds can just be infinitely uh, minted and that type of inflation would make them worthless? The answer is no. Um, <clears throat> specifically, because uh, we were proposing or this idea would consist of creating a bean stock uh, and bean seed pool. Um, our expectation is that uh, you basically very quickly run out of beans to use to LP with the stock and seeds, and therefore it will be a, something that creates a lot of demand for beans. So how does that work? Um, Let's take a very simple example, which is I take, I have a bean, deposit the bean in the silo in exchange for one stock and two seeds. 
I now have a deposited bean, uh, one stock, and two seeds. Uh, in this model, or this iteration of how stock and seeds would be liquid, um, similar to how you can currently uh, convert a deposited bean and match it with Ethereum, one bean worth of Ethereum, uh, and get bean ETH LP tokens that are deposited in the silo, we'll be able to take a bean, deposit that bean, and then convert that deposited bean into bean stock and bean seed liquidity pool tokens. And so you can imagine, uh, and to some extent, you have to make estimations on the price of stock of seeds, um, but the arbitrage opportunity introduced by the fact that anyone can buy a bean, deposit a bean, and then get stock and seeds basically makes it that the price of uh, one stock plus two seeds has to be less than a bean. Um, and so with that in mind, uh, the amount of, if you do this once, you get additional stock and additional seeds. Um, you now have stock and seeds that are liquid that you can LP if you want to LP again, um, but you're now out of beans. And so in order to cycle again, you actually have to buy more beans in order to LP them. And so from a macro perspective, uh, the incentive to deposit your stock and seeds into the liquidity pool instead of having them just sitting there in your account um, should also create more demands for beans on top of uh, creating a use for, you know, we would expect the vast majority of beans that are currently deposited in the silo collecting dust uh, would immediately start to used to offer liquidity for stock and seeds um, and start to earn additional interest. Um, so that is uh, just kind of the first introduction to how we're thinking about stock and seeds. Um, that is, we can start to see every bell and whistle that is added on top of Beanstalk uh, at this point in time has to be constructed in such a way as to be deeply symbiotic with the underlying economics of beanstalk. And in this case, creating a beanstalk and a bean seed uh, Uniswap pool uh, seems to be uh, thus far uh, the most optimal solution we've come up with. And we think that it, it will have uh, positive network effects on uh, the price of bean. Um, but also the meaning, the meaning of having stock and seeds liquid is that now you can have a market that reflects uh, the future growth expectations of Beanstalk um, without that necessarily translating to the price of a bean. Meaning if the short-term uh, inflation expectations are decreasing, uh, you would expect the price of stock to come down. Um, and because the pool is being stock, um, the price of stock coming down means that people are selling stock in exchange for beans. And this now goes back to our conversation about creating utility. But the only assumption that this makes is that every time people are selling stock, they aren't necessarily selling them into Ethereum 
they may be selling them into beans to go use the beans somewhere else. So the only way that uh, this complexity uh, is potentially not exclusively beneficial is if there is a low level of utility of beans, which is obviously current, currently the case. So when it comes to growing beanstalk in the right way, um, it, it sort of has to grow in a couple of different axes all at once. Um, it can certainly be done, but it has to be done uh, in the right fashion. And this is one of the main areas where uh, our attention is currently focused. Got it. Okay. And moving a couple of more questions on just bean and, and stock. And, you know, I, I see a lot of questions as well on the partnerships element and the outreach. I think maybe for the next few minutes, we can continue to go through some of the more, uh, some of the questions around the elements of the protocol. And then I think it would be nice to round out the conversation with, you know, the looking ahead and, and talking about the partnership stuff. Um, so with regards to continuing that conversation about, you know, seeds and stocks, uh, like two things, you know, one in terms of community initiatives, a lot of the community initiatives that have been planned, you know, have been incentivized via beans. Do you think in the future there will be incentives in the form of seed and stock to drive some community initiatives? Uh, if it were up to us, um, and it's not because bean stock ultimately is dependent on the stockholders to vote, um, that would not be the case. Um, we feel pretty strongly that one of the main uh, main reasons why Beanstalk is money for people and not money for VCs or money for uh, whales is because the only way to get stock and seeds, sure you can buy them, um, some people that have done this, but the only way to get stock and seeds is to buy and deposit beans. And the fact that fundamentally, the only way to participate in the growth of Beanstalk is to buy the currency, um, or at least buy the seniorage token from somebody else that bought the currency, <laughs> makes it fundamentally different from a traditional seniorage model, where um, the people that got in early are the only ones that are really profiting, and everyone else is just using the currency for utility. Instead, the fact that the only way to get stock and seeds is uh, by buying, the only way to create stock and seeds is by buying a bean and depositing the bean, uh, that enables anyone uh, to participate in the future growth of bean stock, um, and they don't have to uh, do it in a way where they're just purchasing it from, uh, you know, the senior shareholders that got in super early. Got it. And in terms of, you know, looking at just obviously the world of DeFi, but when you look at some other, not necessarily stablecoin protocols, but just other coins, right? And you go on Uniswap, there are pools, you can potentially generate yield by either staking or pooling. Are there any plans in the future to potentially create, you know, stock and seed pools on a DEX like Uniswap? Yeah, that's exactly right. So the idea will be that stock and seeds will have uh, a Uniswap pool that is tradable against Bean. And so you'll be able to go from stock into any other asset on Uniswap. Um, in general, uh, when we talk about integrations with other protocols, um, 
the idea that stock and seeds become liquid is one of the main potential things that other protocols could find attractive to incorporate uh, into. Um, for example, uh, I believe MIM only allows you to deposit, uh, to borrow against uh, assets that are yield generating. Um, so BEAN uh, might not qualify on its own, uh, but stock and seeds which both have their own individual yield components, seeds yielding stock and stock yielding beans, uh, might be uh, better suited for something like that. So uh, the fun starts uh, once stock and seeds are liquid and then uh, the amount of different financial uh, engineering ideas that can be built on top of bean stock uh, with a new sophisticated uh, stock and seed uh, price being overlaid on top of that uh, becomes very exciting uh, just to think about. So uh, one of the main drivers of Beanstalk becoming the basis of DeFi is not just that you have a stable coin, you also have uh, native uh, markets that will be able to reflect uh, some sort of future expectation of being stuck as well, meaning it's not just a current market. You also have markets that are, uh, you know, sort of a futures market, or at least a bet on the state of being stuck in the future. Got it. And, and to that point on seed and stock liquidity, you know, any any info on timing around that? So timing is a lot harder to specify. Um, and the main reason for that is making stock and seeds liquid uh, may or may not be deeply intertwined uh, when we develop it with uh, our layer two integration. So one of the things that the community has really emphasized, uh, which is that they feel it is essential that we launch or Beanstalk launches uh, Beanstalk that are supported uh, on other other EVM compatible chains, um, and specifically to do it in a way that creates a network effect around Beanstalk. Um, and the main reason for this is that if we don't do it, uh, someone else will launch a copy, and that copy on a layer two will effectively serve as a competitor. So uh, that argument resonates with us, and we think that we figured out. Uh, at an economic level, at least, uh, what scaling to layer two would look like. Um, to outline it uh, a little bit, the idea would basically be that uh, stock, seeds, and beans, uh, basically any asset uh, in Beanstalk uh, can be bridged uh, through Beanstalk uh, from one uh, compatible chain to another. So if we were uh, on Polygon, for example, um, and you had uh, beans or you had stock or you had seeds on the main chain, uh, you could bridge them over to Polygon um, without um, without needing to make any other transactions other than directly through Beanstalk. And the economics under it would be supported by the fact that the price uh, of a bean 
is still 100% determined by the being ETH pool on mainnet. Um, so the whole system is still oriented to orienting itself around one pool. Um, but then in terms of calculating new beans or new soil that is minted, you could actually use the liquidity from the other chains as well for the bean ETH pools in the other chains as well, um, but still have the accuracy of the main price. So uh, the short answer is when is all this going to happen? Um, well, these are deeply related problems and we may be able to launch stock and seeds being tradable on the mainnet uh, soon, but then that could delay, if we don't do it in tandem, uh, scaling Beanstalk to layer two. So in fact, this would be one of the areas where we would be most interested in feedback from the community, which do they feel is more important to prioritize potentially, um, launching to layer two in, in something similar to our current form sooner and then launching stock and seeds uh on both mainnet and you know layer one and layer two um at some point in the dis not too distant future um but the ordering is is still up in the air and you know each of these individual projects uh is at least a couple of weeks but more likely around a month uh, plus each uh, on the labor side. And so uh, kind of the last uh, variable that will factor into uh, timing uh, is how quickly the quality of which we can surround Beanstalk with uh, other developers. So um, that's an easier said than done task in the sense that high quality solidity developers are are very difficult to find um but we've we're, you know we've been encouraged by the amount of outreach uh, our community has been making thus far to try to find high quality developers and uh the ability to find them uh would certainly expedite the uh our ability to push uh updates to beanstalk Got it. Um, I think to round out the conversation a little bit, we talked a lot about, you know, seeds and stocks. I think the next few, the next round of questions kind of, you know, deals necessarily with like pods, whether I think we should discuss pods, whether touch on NFTs a little bit, and then ideally, you know, Publius, we can go back to what you were talking about earlier about what you need the community to do. And we can talk a little bit about, you know, what's to come on, on whether, <clears throat> You know, as, as you mentioned before, you know, we're obviously in the midst of a debt cycle and clearly you can see that when you look at the weather chart in the BIP, um, the latest BIP, there's been a proposal to potentially update the way or the rate of change of the weather. Just generally speaking, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how the weather has been working and what is the proposed change to the rate of weather? Sure. So... Philosophically, Beanstalk doesn't care what the weather is, per se. The only thing it cares about is that the weather is sufficiently high such that it can attract enough demand uh, to return the price of one bean to one dollar. And specifically, uh, Beanstalk would rather be 
aggressive, uh, meaning have a weather that is too high, um, maybe we should define that as conservative. So Pienstock would rather be conservative, meaning have pay too much and have a weather that is too high, um, than risk the opposite, which would be having a weather that is too low. And in the case where the weather is too low, um, that is how you can start to enter uh, a negative feedback loop like what happened uh, six weeks ago or so because the weather was at like 1% or something because there were no pods and it had just been going through a period of growth. Um, weather was so low that it couldn't quickly attract uh, lenders. Now, obviously, given the scale of Beanstalk at that point in time um, and the, the magnitude of loans that it needed to attract, um, that would have been impossible regardless. Um, in general, when the price is too low, uh, Beanstalk is very aggressive and raises the weather uh, 3% almost every season when the price is too low. Um, and obviously, depending on the change in demand for debt, uh, it may be slightly less than that. Um, when, the, when the price is too low, and especially when the debt level is above optimal, Beanstalk is incredibly aggressive at raising the web. Now, on the flip side, there is high debt, uh, but the price is high, um, meaning that Beanstalk is, is going to pay off some debt right now. Um, that would be the opportunity to potentially lower the web. Now, originally, we set the parameters such that Beanstalk would be very conservative in how it lowers the weather such that, and per our discussion a little bit earlier, trying to avoid entering another debt cycle anytime soon, Beanstalk would rather pay a marginally higher weather uh, and make sure that it doesn't have a, a, you know, a couple of day period where it can't attract any debt because the weather is too low. Um, accordingly, it errs on the side of raising the weather. Now, the uh, short answer is, uh, in part, due to the fact that this is the first debt cycle and has been so large, um, the weather has grown to uh, a pretty high rate. Um, and the point is that now that prices started to oscillate around one, um, it doesn't necessarily make sense for Beanstalk to continue to be so conservative and to continue to raise the weather so quickly um, and the prices below one, and then not also mirror that by lowering it at a similar rate when the price is back above one. So uh, originally, the parameters were set to be incredibly conservative and now that Beanstalk has started to prove itself uh, and hold the price at one, uh, we feel it's appropriate to change the weather changes very slightly such that there's a little bit more symmetry when the price is above one and below one. So as it hangs out around the peg, uh, the weather is more likely to stay uh, somewhat constant than continuing to rise. So this is a change that uh, doesn't need to be made, frankly. Um, we were debating whether to even do it, given that it's not essential. Um, the way that the weather changes were constructed, 
uh, in Beanstalk is to make them incredibly modular and incredibly easy to modify uh, just one or just a small selection of the 16 weather changes. And given that it, it does seem to us to propose to pose a marginal benefit, um, makes sense to do it. And it also makes sense to demonstrate the ability for Beanstalk to make minor changes like this without any major adjustments to the, to the protocol uh, or the rules, uh, but to just make minor changes to specific values uh, to improve the efficiency of the system. Um, now, there was a question asked, uh, and we had discussed it previously, on considering changing it from a linear uh, approach where the maximum Beanstalk can change uh, the weather rate uh, is a maximum of plus or minus three, an absolute value of three, um, but more dynamic weather changing mechanism, or perhaps it changes uh, instead of linearly, but uh, in a mul mul multiplicative way, where uh, instead of plus or minus uh, three degrees, three percent, uh, you could multiply the weather by 0.97 or multiply it by 1.03, and therefore have the weather uh, much more rapidly adjust up or down based on changes in demand for debt and the price and the debt level. Um, reason ultimately we have decided not to propose um, weather that changes that quickly is twofold. One, weather in such a scenario where it could increase 3% every season, not linearly, but times 1.03, um, every season, uh, if Beanstalk goes through a major debt cycle like it did over the past six weeks, uh, the weather in that case would reach uh, infinity, perhaps. Um, you can't multiply uh, 1.03 times itself indefinitely. Um, about the weather just starting to grow to a, a very unsustainable rate. Um, but more specifically, if you think about the incentives on sowing beans to beanstalk, lending beans to beanstalk, sowing beans is currently, uh, well, well, let's take a step back. The underlying mechanism is designed to attract lenders as quickly and efficiently as possible. First in, first out uh, harvest schedule uh, creates an environment where I feel like right now, based on the current price, the current debt level, um, and the weather, is an attractive time to lend to Beanstalk. First in, first out harvest schedule makes it such that I am incentivized to do it immediately. Because if somebody else lends in front of me or ahead of me, um, my rate of return is going to go down. Specifically, it's probably going to go down more than I stand to gain by waiting a couple of hours for the interest rate to go up. Um, whereas, and that's in the case where there's a linear increase in the weather. Whereas, in the case where the weather can increase much, much, much quicker, um, the incentive to lend beans to beanstalk um, created by the first in, first out 
uh, service schedule is going to be greatly lessened because potentially if I wait a couple more hours, the weather could increase 100%. The weather could double. Um, and the idea that the weather can double in just a few hours um, would greatly decrease the incentive to lend beans to beanstalk in an efficient fashion. So uh, given that the idea is to attract capital um, as efficiently as possible, um, you don't feel like the multiplying method is, is the, right, uh, the right method. Certainly at this stage of the game, where again, the main issue is that the debt cycle has taken some time because uh, there isn't a lot of outstanding demand for beans below a dollar because it hasn't created utility, because it hasn't proven itself as being worth a dollar. So as that uh, starts to happen, um, then you can start to think about maybe being even more aggressive uh, or conservative again with uh, raising the weather quicker and quicker. Um, but even in that case, we would likely uh, be opposed to uh, doing it uh, in, a in a way that is uh, potentially exponential in how quickly the weather grows. Got it. Got it. Looking at the time, uh, wanted to ask you know one more, one or two more questions about the protocol. I think we actually did a good job covering most of them, but obviously for those listening and if you're listening from the future, if you're listening to the recording, obviously feel free to participate in the discussion in the general. And you know, I'm sure there's going to be a community member that can either get you up to speed or or answer the question on NFTs. Uh, obviously, it was a fun little thing for those of uh, those of you in the room who were sewing during that time period when the NFT mints were going on. Um, you know, I, I check my two guys on a regular basis. Uh, what's the? Is there? Have you thought about uh, the future of what's going to happen with the NFTs? Is there anything the community should know? Are there going to be any potential benefits of either? Things that folks can do to generate utility, whether it's burning the NFT to earn either beans, potentially trading them to sow, and any kind of fun things planned for NFTs in the future that may have utility for the platform. Sure. So uh, the NFT event was a huge success, in our opinion. And there's also, you know, by the evidence of the number of bean profile picks in this uh, AMA, uh, it's evident that it has uh, led to the start of a strong community. Um, and so going forward, things to balance are using the NFTs or minting more NFTs or having an event, future events that create more network effects with diluting the value of the original NFTs. And so to some extent, we're going to take a cop out here um, and say that we like, for example, to do like a winter NFT edition, a BNFT edition, which um, may, may you know continue up to the 6,000 original threshold. Um, only about a third of the potential 6,000 were minted from the first event. Um, so maybe more of those could be minted in the future, but it's a cop-out because uh, all of the decisions on the BNFTs ultimately will be made by the BNFT holders. And so we've, we've tried to set up uh, in our Discord server 
on a BNFT club room uh, where those types of conversations can be had um, and anyone with a BNFT can join the, the club room and participate in BNFT governance decisions. So pending the approval of the BNFT holders, uh, there might be some really cool and exciting stuff coming in the pipeline, um, but that's a little bit harder for us to project forward, uh, you know, given that even today, uh, you know, the, the decision-making on that front is going to be 100% determined by BNFT holders and is you know, more of a community thing at this point than an economics thing. And so we'd like the community to, you know, to lead the way on that front. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely going to be doing my part. And for those of you who do have BNFTs, I'm actually looking at some of the some of the profile picks right now. We got a couple of key ones. Um, I think that's great. I, I think ultimately at some point, similar to what we've seen with some other platforms, if there's a way to create some utility with the NFTs, whether it's through passive income or through giving us the ability to interact more with the protocol, I, I think that'd be great. But point taken, I think uh, for those of you who are listening and do have NFTs, please join that group and we can have those conversations. To, to round out the conversation that we're having today, Publius, I, I think the, the big question on, on our minds, and we talked so much about the health of the protocol and how clearly things are at least looking like, you know, they are working as planned as we move forward and we scale, talking about scale. So there, there are two things that, that I think we should discuss. You know, the first, one being on the funding side and the second being more on the, the marketing partnership side. And let's start with the partnerships piece. Can you talk a little bit about that front? So with regards to being not only integrating with other protocols, but um, but forming partnerships that would not only increase beam visibility, but would also create other opportunities to penetrate this entire market. You know, what, what are some of these partnerships that we're either looking at now or we're looking to do and what can the community do to help? Totally. The long and the short of it is that adding utility around beans is a chicken and the egg problem. It's a chicken and the egg in the sense that once we are stable, uh, it makes a lot more sense, uh, or at least as stability increases, it increases the incentive for beans to be adopted into any specific protocol. But the chicken and the egg is that the stability of beanstalk greatly improves as being, we should say the stability of beans greatly improves as beans and beanstalk are incorporated into other protocols. And given that we are anonymous, uh, it's very difficult uh, to, on our own, try to leverage a network um, or our, our networks to uh, get beans uh, incorporated into other protocols. Um, and this is likely going to have to be one of the main areas that the community steps up. And what we mean by that is protocol, to a large extent, is doing its job so far. Um, the price of bean is oscillating around one, and that's really the only thing Beanstalk cares about. Obviously, it wants to lower the debt level over time, but 
the main way that the debt level is going to be decreased is an increase in utility, which creates demand for beans and creates demand for being in the silo. Um, the way to think about that is lending beans to beans is one side of the market, and you're lending beans to beanstalk with the expectation that in the future there will be utility and there will be demand for that utility. And then the other side of the market is the people actually uh, taking advantage of that utility and using the beans. So on the on the first side of the market, beanstalk seems to be doing a pretty good job. Uh, it, it continues to attract uh, lenders. The pod line continues to grow, and most importantly, the price is staying at one. So the next step is to start to have uh, substantive conversations with various protocols that are interested in adding beans as an integration. Now, there's a lot that needs to be said here, especially given that, as we said, Beanstalk is still in an infant state um, and it needs a little bit of head holding and neck support. So, if you look at, uh, just for example, uh, cream vulnerability that was exploited over the past couple of days, um, let's say, theoretically, beans uh, or stock or seeds were used on cream, and there were large borrowing markets for, for beans. Um, let's just say there was a million or two million beans uh, that you could potentially uh, borrow uh, on, on cream. Uh, what happened yesterday happened in this scenario where there's a lot of beanstalk assets on cream. Uh, given the decentralized nature of beanstalk, uh, whoever the attacker was uh, may be very happy to hold their beans. Um, at the same time, there's nothing beanstalk can really do to prevent that person from selling their beans. Uh, and if someone stole millions of beans and dumped them, uh, at this stage of the game, uh, that goes back to what we laid out as kind of uh, the main thing that Beanstalk wants to avoid at this point in time, um, which is another major dip, uh, you know, to 50 cents, 20 cents, something like that. Um, so there's a lot, uh, just from a risk perspective, that needs to be considered uh, any time, at least at this stage of the game, Beanstalk is incorporating into other protocols. Now, this goes back to the chicken and the egg because as beans are incorporated into other protocols, that will lead to the debt level coming down, which will put Beanstalk in a better position to take on more risk, uh, adding more protocols. So very chicken and the egg here and gotta start somewhere. So if members of the community have a, a connection at a, a lending market or um, at the very least feel like they have protocols that could benefit from beans um, like Augur uh, and wanted to start the conversation of having uh, beans potentially incorporated into any given protocol, we would highly encourage you to start those conversations sooner rather than later. Um, we would offer that we're happy to talk to any development team that is considering incorporating beans into their protocol. And the last thing to highlight is at this stage of the game, it's probably pretty important that 
whatever protocols we integrate into the get-go are very decentralized. Um, decentralization is obviously one of the main value drivers for Beanstalk and um, exposure to a centralized kill switch is something we want to avoid at all times. Um, and so again, putting assets uh, at risk, uh, whether that may be that they get hacked um, or that a centralized uh, protocol can use them against Beanstalk, all of that needs to be considered. Um, but it all needs to be considered in the general lens of beans are going to be incorporated across the board and this is part of the process and in order for beans to be incorporated across the board it does need to start to be incorporated somewhere so step one is proving utility by keeping the price at the peg the protocol seems to be doing that reasonably well step two is to start to uh, onboard beans into other protocols um last uh, layer to add on top of this, and we've already spoken on it, so we'll keep this brief, is that stock and seeds becoming liquid. Um, that becomes a very interesting set of assets to incorporate into a lending or borrowing protocol um, or something similar uh, because of the way that you can uh, trade stock and seeds to reflect your position on bean stock um, aside from just buying and selling beans. Uh, which can have a dampening effect on the price, um, which would obviously increase the utility. Got it. And right after this, which you know, I'm, I'm assuming will increase be the in, utility. Excuse me. Increase the utility. Increase the utility. There we go. There we go. That's what we like here. Um, I, I, I think the other piece of this, and we talked about this during the last AMA. I remember this. Uh, on the funding side of things, so I, I don't mean in terms of funding the the protocol at you know like a startup funding type thing. More on the basis of either silo or silo LP, and even looking back to the comments you made about before the first cycle and how there were folks who basically were not permanent capital or high quality capital. You had mentioned during the last AMA that there were either some conversations or there's some obvious demand to go out and get you know that high quality. You know, long-term capital into the platform on the silo or the silo LP side. Can you give us an update? Are there any conversations there or is anything is anything happening in that regard on the high quality funding side? Uh, so short answer is yes. Um, we are encouraged both by the volume of conversations that we're starting to have with higher quality capital and also uh, the conversations themselves. So uh, when it comes to uh, using capital for Beanstalk, there is the fundamental uh, problem, it is a problem to some extent, that there is no centralized entity with which to invest into. And so even if we have a great call with you know, a larger crypto fund or a a crypto family office or something like that that might have a longer term time horizon and be interested in supporting Beanstalk in multiple sizes over different over a longer period of time. But there's also no operating agreement for them to sign or there's no contract for them to sign. And uh, to some extent, that makes it a little bit hard to gauge 
how much capital has been deployed by larger parties per se. Um, obviously, the community has noticed, for example, when uh, one wallet with well over a hundred million uh, U.S. dollars worth of capital uh, started to sow beans. Um, and all we can say is that we are uh, encouraged by those types of transactions that are the result of conversations that we're having. And our hope is to have, continue to have high quality conversations with uh, hopefully high quality capital. And I apologize uh, for the fire engines. Um, but the point is that uh, one other thing that's been very encouraging to us is that we've started to have lots of intros to uh, higher quality capital from our community members. And so the fact that the community is starting to use their own network um, to try to bring uh, high quality capital into Beanstalk uh, is, is an indication that we're on the right track. Um, so the short answer is, in our opinion, it's being received very well um, by, by the people that are receiving it. And uh, as the price continues to be held at, at a dollar, uh, we assume that there's going to be more and more uh, converse into, into bean farmers. Got it. Got it. Absolutely. If, uh, yeah, if anyone, if anyone here has uh, easy access to a pension fund, please make yourself known. That would probably be the sleepiest, highest quality capital we can get. Um, all very helpful. I am looking through the thread. I think we did a pretty good job of going through a lot of those questions. We covered pretty much everything from the, you know, the high level mission of the protocol to the competitors, the space. We talked very specifically about many of the protocol elements like stocks, seeds, obviously pods, weather. Um, I, I want to open up the floor. Obviously, if there's anyone that wants to ask something, given the conversation we've had, you know, please feel free to either raise your hand or dump something into the thread. While that's potentially happening, um, we got Bean Merchant on the stage. Bean Merchant, what's going on? Oh, I was just going to add uh, that there will be a Bean Scholars call next Tuesday for folks who like this AMA and want to kind of get deeper on Beanstalk. Someone mentioned um, that Ohm community did this really early on where uh, people who wanted to kind of learn more about the pro protocol and become experts just could kind of have a Q&A with Zeus, who is the founder of Ohm. So we're going to do something similar uh, with Beanstalk. It'll be next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific and I'll send a message, but just wanted to make sure I said it during the AMA for those who are interested. Yeah, I think that's absolutely great. So that's that's going to be Tuesday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Yep, that's right. Awesome. I, I'll definitely try to join that if I can. I'm going to I want to wait till the same obviously, because we covered so much, but I want to start making some videos and I absolutely think we need to start. I, I don't want to use the word. Uh, I don't want to use the P word pump here, but I think we need to start educating. Let's use the E word um, and start educating folks about what's going on, especially given the recent activity on Twitter. So looking ahead, Publius, I think now is probably a good time to, and, and you've sprinkled this throughout the conversation. We've talked a lot about getting the community involved. And right after this, we're going to have a breakout room for people who want to stick around and, and get more into the weeds on that. But looking ahead, you know, what, what are the biggest things on your mind, Publius, 
And what exactly is the focus from here on out? What are the things that we need to start focusing on and what should we expect? Awesome. So first off, thank you, Bean Merchant, uh, for coordinating that scholar call. And uh, our hope is to do as much as possible to educate anyone who's interested about every question they could possibly have about Beanstalk. So if you can't make that, shoot us a DM. If you're interested in Beanstalk, uh, you know, we're, we're committed to spending the time that that you feel like you really have a handle on everything and you can start to talk about it in a way that you feel confident in. Um, but at a more macro level than that, uh, we've laid out a little bit of what the, the near future or the next couple of months looks like for Beanstalk, um, but I think it's helpful for everyone to hear specifically what are some of the ways that they uh, can help uh, if if they're interested to help. So, number one uh, has to be we're still in the phase of trying to spread the word about Beanstalk, and so that can be as simple as uh, telling telling your buddies and your friends uh, that this is going on and a week later reminding them that beans are still at one and maybe a week later reminding them again that beans are still at one and over time uh, that becomes pretty compelling that you're hearing it from word of mouth from people that you know that this thing is doing well it's functioning as intended and it's paying you interest um that seems to be thus far um the way that we've been Growing is mostly word of mouth, and we, we'd like to continue that. Um, a little bit more big picture than that is if any of our community members uh, have connections to uh, high quality crypto podcasts um, or other uh, crypto news sites uh, and the like, uh, and they would be willing to try to set up, uh, you know, either a podcast interview or something similar for for written form, uh, we'd be we'd be happy to participate, and we think that would be a good way to get exposure to Beanstalk for more uh, high quality, thoughtful individuals that are curious about what's going on here. And kind of goes without saying, but good to say nonetheless that long form uh, tends to be the best for something like Beanstalk. Uh, mainly because of the complexity uh, of the system. Um, in addition to just connections to uh, the media, um, there's also, uh, we have a marketing budget, uh, which was uh, created, uh, 80,000 beans were allocated to the marketing budget uh, when BIP1 was passed. And we're hopeful that the community will propose uh, various things that they want to be paid for to contribute. So, for example, uh, Dumpling, one of our community members, uh, is going to make a proposal to the marketing budget to, to make some merchandise uh, and is going to work to start uh, selling or distributing the merchandise to, uh, to bean farmers that want it. Um, and another example of how we'd like to see the marketing budget used is uh, in merchants is putting together 
some sort of meme contest um, where people will be awarded beans for making the best memes around Beanstalk or making the best educational content or uh, IPO and chill, in your case, the best uh, short-term videos for Beanstalk. So there's a pool of capital, 80,000 beans or so, that anyone who wants uh, to participate creating content around Beanstalk, creating additional documentation, um, whatever it may be, uh, you can get paid in beans to, to contribute on that front. Um, another area where people can be really helpful uh, to us is connecting us with uh, developers, uh, both on the Solidity front and the, the front end. Uh, we're at the phase where over the past month, Beanstalk went from a $2.5 million project to a 20-something million dollar project, and we're trying to scale the team around Beanstalk to reflect that growth. Um, obviously, the ability to attract high-quality talent uh, is a big part in making Beanstalk uh, and the development team around Beanstalk something that can operate independently of Publius uh, a reality. So with that in mind, if anyone has uh, in their network, uh, Solidity developers, um, they think might be interested in getting paid from the developer budget in Beans to develop Beanstalk, um, we would also encourage them to try to connect us. And sort of at a more macro level, uh, if anyone is interested in getting involved, uh, but none of these ideas resonates, um, or makes you want to get up and do it, uh, and you have another idea uh, for how to help or what can be uh, a positive contribution to Beanstalk, we would encourage anyone uh, to, to propose their own marketing proposal to the marketing budget on Snapshot uh, and give it a go. And if the community likes it, you'll get approved. So there's a million different ways uh, at this stage of the game you can help Beanstalk. Um, but the number one has to be just getting more eyes onto Beanstalk um, in, a, in a positive way. So through friends, through high quality podcasts and the like, and then separately on the specifics, uh, creating content uh, can be used to help market Beanstalk, uh, bringing in developers that can help develop Beanstalk. Um, we're, we're sort of at the phase where we are in need of more talent and in more in need of more labor and in need of more people around Beanstalk um, to continue to develop uh, this at the pace uh, that everyone wants it to be developed, uh, keeping in line with the quality uh, that thus far Beanstalk has been developed. So um, speed and quality are obviously at odds and uh, an increase in, in developer talent around Beanstalk can go a long way to uh, helping with that. That makes sense. And for those of you who do want to stick around and either raise your hand for certain things, ask more questions, or even just strategize and theorize around how we can make progress on a few of these things, we'll be we'll be chilling here for you know shortly after we finish this you know this AMA, so to speak. Um, Maybe as a last thing to add on, go um, for it. On the advice of some of our community members, 
uh, over the past couple days at the bottom of our categories in the server, we made a DAO category um, with a general DAO uh, channel where you can kind of hop in and say what your skills are or what you would want to work on and the like. And once you make a saying kind of what you're up to, you get access to the rest of the DAO category, um, which we're going to try to use to um, focus a lot of the, you know, the community effort around Beanstalk in a slightly more organized fashion. So if that interests you, uh, come hang out uh, on the DAO, the DAO category. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. So I want to, it looks like folks okay. have been, you know, obviously thank you everyone for sticking around and participating and asking the questions. You know, these are all felt very natural to me, but these are all things that, you know, I, I learned a ton. These are all things that are important. And I think, you know, Bean Merchant talked a little bit earlier about the scholar calls that are happening the next one on Tuesday evening. I think it is important that everyone is able to conversationally talk about this. I mean, I personally have gotten a few of my friends to come in and so granted they're already in the world of crypto but you know depending on your familiarity with crypto broadly or or not i think it's important that everyone understands what's happening here and what you're getting involved in so that's first um we talked quite a bit about pretty much everything really we kind of spanned the whole gamut so i'm excited for the recording i'm probably gonna listen to it myself one more time just to make sure i I'm up to speed on everything, but for those of you who joined a little bit late, there will be a recording, so look out for that, and you can catch the beginning of the conversation. And I think, you know, Publius, I, I think we should do these on a regular basis, so any any preference on your part? I'm thinking maybe once every two weeks, potentially three weeks, but maybe we should reconvene after a few weeks and just keep these going on a regular basis. It can even serve as, a, as an orientation for new folks. Uh we're happy to do this uh as much as people would like um as frequently as once a week if there's demand for that um the only thing to kind of mention is the only reason we wouldn't do this every week or every day is we don't want beanstalk to be dependent on publius so to some extent there's real benefit in having as much communication with the community so that everyone is on the same page as possible um that's very valuable um but we want to make sure that we're not conducting ourselves in a way that creates the expectation uh that this is going to be reliant on publius uh indefinitely so uh that being said in the short term this is still very much early 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 days in beanstalk we hope and accordingly we're happy to have as much communication as people would like. Um, so every week, every two weeks, whatever that may be. And then over time, you know, we can scale that down uh, or up as appropriate. I, I think that makes sense. Obviously, there are some business continuity issues. Maybe we can we can figure something out offline, but I think let's mark maybe two weeks. Uh, obviously, if something changes, then we can, we can do one earlier. But I think doing these on a regular basis is important, especially for new folks. And, you know, with that being said, unless you have anything else to add, I just want to thank the folks that joined, participated. This has been, this has been lit. Let's just tell it like it is. Um, so at this point, I think if folks do want to stick around and discuss 
some of the more community initiatives in detail, we can do that. But I, Publis, unless there's anything else you'd like to add, I think we had a good session. Um, just want to tack on that. Um, if people would like to go ahead and post in the Skillset Volunteer channel, if they would like to be part of the Beanstalk Farms now, to go ahead and that could help us in a more organized way distribute, you know, labor and, you know, see what projects we have that people could get uh, involved with. All right, sounds good. I feel like uh, I feel like I have to start. You know, I got to get my own version of this uh, this uh, voice tool that you guys are using. I feel a little left out, but thank you guys so much for joining. And until next time, keep farming. Thank you guys so much for coming and listening, and uh, thank you IPO and Shell for hosting. And we're very excited to uh, continue to build build out the community, continue to build Beanstalk together, and. Uh, from our perspective, this is just getting started. So if anyone wants to hang out um, and start to have a discussion on how they want to get involved in Beanstalk, uh, why don't we plan to take like a two minute uh, bathroom break and then we, whoever's still here in, in two minutes or so, we can, anyone who wants can join the stage and we can start to have more of a round table. All right, um, that's exciting. 15 people are still hanging out. So um, maybe the best way to do this is be nation, you have your hand raised. So we'll just invite you up here and then we'll go from there. Be nation, you should be able to hop onto the onto the stage at this point. Go ahead. I don't think we can hear you. Oh, now we can. Beautiful. Uh, so, can we have a, a can sort of uh, write-up that we can use to reach out to protocols or you know other podcasters that 
uh, that 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 we want to sort of market beans on. So um, the, just just a, a write up. Uh, is there is there something we can already use or something that uh, that we need to come up with? There's not anything currently for you necessarily um, that you can copy and paste. Um, on the one hand, uh, at this stage of the game, most of the connections are probably going to be through your network, meaning a cookie cutter template probably isn't the best. But at the same time, uh, it's obviously much easier for people if they have a sense of what are the highlights to post um, in the case you know, where, where people want to just get like the TLDR. Um, so we do have, I'm going to copy it right now and I'm going to paste it your chat. I can paste it in here. Um, maybe, maybe I'm just going to post it in general DAO um, for people. Um, anyone who wants can hop in there and read it um i just pasted that in general down awesome thank you so uh I'm going to remove you from the stage if I can figure out how to get moved to audience. But if you have another question, obviously raise your hand. Uh, I'm happy to bring you back up. So, Bean Boy, we're going to call on you now. Bean Boy, you've been invited to speak. Hey, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hello? I can hear you. Is this thing on? Yeah, we can hear you. You're good to go, man. Oh, I see. The like audio isn't on like speaker phone anymore. Um, basically, I was just wondering about. Um, have you guys heard of Layer Three dot X Y Z? no, I have not. So basically, there's this platform called Layer Three dot X Y Z that allows you to incentivize kind of off-chain actions like marketing via bounties, kind of like public bounties. And so I was thinking it might be good to look into for Beanstalk to kind of, you know, incentivize like high performing tweets about beans that, you know, get, get high levels of engagement or views or certain like, uh, you know, tutorial building type activities would be cool. Uh, you can basically just say like, you will get paid in X currency for doing this thing. That sounds awesome. And we've already noted it on our end and uh if this is something that you would be interested in coordinating or being the point person for you know it sounds great and we would totally be on board to try to work to making something like that happen yeah i mean i can work on setting up the layer three listing um obviously well not, i guess it might require some work in terms of someone i don't have access to the social account but i assume that we'd want to send out messages uh, for like payouts and stuff via the the main social account and not via my account. But if you guys, if you want assistance with like setting it up and stuff, I think I could do that. Definitely. And we wouldn't want you to be on the hook for any of that. Obviously, uh, we would figure out a way to make it 
funded by the marketing budget. Um, so uh, we would be greatly appreciative uh, if you if you led the way there, and we're obviously happy to answer uh, any questions you have while that's getting started, and we can structure it together. All right, yeah, I guess I'll send some messages in the Discord about it, but it should be pretty easy to set up. I believe I know people who work there too, so it seems <laughs> potentially not too hard. That would be much appreciated. So uh, come hang out in the DAO and we can coordinate this. All right, cool. Thank you very much. So if anyone else raises their hand, we can call you up here. Um, but maybe just to create a call to action, uh, especially given that anyone who's still hanging out here, we have a reasonable expectation you're interested in helping. Um, say, best way to get involved is to make it known how you want to get involved. Um, so as we were saying before, uh, at the end of the AMA, if you go drop in skill set volunteer um, in, the DAO, in the DAO category, what you are interested in helping with or where you think you might be able to add value to Beanstalk, uh, would greatly appreciate that as kind of a good starting place to contribute to the community. Step one is just letting people know what you, what you are interested in helping with. Um, and in nation, excuse me, being merchant, um, you guys are right next to each other, uh, but being merchant, uh, who is, uh, you know, the sole community organizer, uh, at this moment, uh, he will be doing a lot of the coordination there as well. Um, so we would say, feel free to, uh, ask us, uh, if you have an idea or present it in the DAO. Um, and then, you know, everyone should be kind of working uh, with Bean Nation to make sure that it's coordinated and that if you need help from other Beanstalk community members um, with whatever it is you're working on, uh, hopefully we have a sufficient uh, kind of group around Beanstalk that is, can pitch in and fill in wherever there's a little bit of help needed. Um, so, in the short term, uh, we would say if anyone here has uh, marketing ideas for something you want to kind of spearhead, a la what Bean Boy just laid out, um, or even a specific project like you want to host uh, a meme contest and you want to put that together, um, any of those are great ideas. And the ideas that you come up with are also probably going to be better than what we I could come up with. Yeah. Um, and or, yeah. or be thrilled if, if anyone yeah. kind of takes some initiative there. Um, and then the last place is just to reiterate, uh, if people have any uh, connections, podcasts, uh, or other crypto media sources that they feel might be good exposure for Beanstalk, um, you know, that would also be a great way to add value to the community at this stage of the game. So um, before we kind of disband, uh, just wanted to 
offer a last opportunity for people to either raise their hand if they have something to say um, or to ask a question that didn't get answered. Um, you know, or otherwise, if, if everyone kind of feels like uh, they've gotten what they needed uh, and can go just start hanging out in the Dow, um, all of that sounds very good to us. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we can't thank you guys enough for sticking around and for showing you know, an interest in working on Beanstalk and making this thing a reality. So uh, he gets us very excited, very, very excited. And uh, you know, we can just close this by reiterating uh, how committed we are to all of you uh, to doing this the right way, uh, to doing everything in our power to making Beanstalk a reality. Um, and again, doing it the right way. Um, so that takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of mental effort. Um, and most importantly, it'll take a really strong community around Beanstalk. Um, we're committed to making that happen and we're incredibly enthused um, just by the community that's starting to spring up around Beanstalk. So thank you everyone for your time today and uh, we will talk soon enough. Thank you. Take care, everybody.